podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Steve Cook with the throw. Swept goal is by Daniels. And back in by Arter. And it's finished by Josh King. Bournemouth bring problems for Liverpool again. They strike Lake again. And Bournemouth are level at Anfield. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and I'm flying solo this week on the show. So whilst there are no opinions from down under on this week's podcast, we have managed to get an eclectic group of Cherries fans who will take you through proceedings at the weekend. So here's what's coming up. We kick off this week with the match report from Michael Dunn, who was at the Vitality Stadium to witness our 3-1 defeat to the boys in blue in front of the BT Sport cameras. Now, I was on a stag do in Swansea this weekend, so whilst I managed to catch some of the game on TV, my memory is a little bit hazy, so we'll have some special guests joining me on the show to talk about the match, where disappointment was followed by a brief glimmer of hope but was soon extinguished by a rather sumptuous free kick, which left the pundits purring. More on that later. Now, recently on the podcast, you may have heard about young Jacob Bucket. Now, Jacob is a cherries-mad four-year-old who has cerebral palsy. We managed to catch up with his mum, Amanda, who told us more about their rather crucial fundraising efforts, where they hope to raise enough money to pay for an operation for Jacob, which will improve his ability to walk. And then after this, we'll go on to preview our tussle with Tottenham at the weekend. Plus, we'll talk Josh King, Jack Wilshire and Arta Boric, discussing their respective futures with the Cherries. Will they stay or will they go? But first though, it's time for yet another Do You Remember? And this week, well, we all love hearing goal commentaries from recent games gone by. So this week... We've got some goal commentaries from a recent game gone by, and we'll have a few associated questions at the end, so listen carefully. Cleared by uh, the Cherries up towards the far side, where Adam Smith has it again. Is a a luminous yellow boots already flashing down that left side he finds Fraser in the area it cannons off Fraser over the goalkeeper goodness me you could not make it up it's a totally fortuitous equaliser that will go down to Ryan Fraser but the Cherries could not possibly have designed it the defender's clearance cannoned off Fraser's shin and looped over the helpless Marek Steck and the Cherries have an unfashionable but certainly deserved equaliser it's 1-1 mm, so there we go Quite an easy one this week, we think. Now, we want three questions answered. Name the opposition, name the stadium, and tell us the final score. So that's the opposition, the name of the ground, and the final score. We'll have the answers at the end of the show, so make sure you stay tuned. Do you 
Now, before we get stuck into Saturday's game, you may or may not follow Mr. Alex Deutsch on Twitter. He was recently responsible for getting young Ethan Burley onto BT Sport recently, and what a sterling performance it was from the pundit to be. Ethan, that is, not Alex. Alex is rubbish. Anyway, Alex came up with the idea of getting a regular event going where Cherries fans can come together every Tuesday night for a kickabout. Now, he dubbed it an anti-football match, where he said it's perfect for people who are a bit rubbish but enjoy it anyway. Well, as much as I like to think I'm a bit handy on the pitch, I'm going to be playing tonight, and uh, I'm going to be speaking to Alex after the game, getting his thoughts briefly on Chelsea, but mainly on Spurs. But I'm now nearly ready to drive on down to the Little Down, but on the way, I'll be stopping by to have a chat with the Phillips family, main stand season ticket holders, and I'll be getting their take of the weekend's action as we talk to Steve, Kerry, Lois and Ben. So it's nearly time to set off. I've got my football boots, I've got my keys, and uh, actually given Alex Deutsch's tackles, I've got my shin pads, check, got them. Okay, ready to go. So this seems like the perfect moment to go over to Saturday's events at the Vitality with our main man, Mr Michael Dunn. Our Sunshine Cherries lost 3-1 on Saturday to Chelsea at Dean Court. It was a defeat that brought our recent unbeaten run to an end, but despite gaining no points, we left the field with a certain amount of credit for a decent performance against the champions-elect. Eddie had declared Dan Gosling 50-50 to make the game, leading to near certainty amongst the Cherry Nation that the Goose would return to the team, but sadly, our number four did not even make the bench. So it was that the manager made only one change to the starting eleven bringing Ryan Fraser back into the lineup for the still-learning Jordan Ibe. From the kickoff, Bournemouth almost took up the dreaded early lead when sideshow Bob lookalike David Luiz sliced the wee man's cross straight at his own goal, drawing a superb save from Thierry Coutois. Fraser then had a decent chance to score himself when he ran onto Jack Wilshire's superbly weighted through ball, outpaced Luiz, but pulled his shot wide with his left foot. At the other end, the Premier League leaders looked particularly dangerous on the counter-attack, just as they had at Stamford Bridge on Boxing Day, and it was such a lightning move from defence to attack that led to the opening goal on 17 minutes. Victor Moses, who had been given the freedom of the right wing as we sought to defend the middle of the park, received the ball from Louise and found Diego Costa with his back to goal in the 18-yard box. There were plenty of cherries in the vicinity, but Costa was still able to spin around and get off a shot, but his connection was poor and the danger appeared to have passed until the ball took an unlucky deflection off Adam Smith's head and crawled into the corner of Arthur Boris's net. It was a barely deserved lead, but there was little arguing with the quality of their second goal three minutes later. Jack Wilshire worked his way into a good position just outside the Chelsea area, but instead of heeding the crowd's advice to shoot, he chose to try and retain the ball, which he promptly lost, giving Conte's side another opportunity to sweep forwards. N'Golo Kante played in the accelerating Aiden Hazard, who beat the offside trap with a perfectly timed run and did similar to Boris before sliding the ball into the empty net. Last season we would have folded in such circumstances, but we are made of sterner stuff now and set about chasing the game. From Charlie Daniels' cross, Benny Kafobe stretched to volley the ball goalwards, but it bounced off the inside of the post and, just as it looked like it was going to drop in the net, the ball hit Courtois' boot and we remained two goals behind. 
These arrears were halved three minutes from half-time when Josh King added to his personal highlights reel with a goal of some quality. After what appeared to be deliberate handball by Adam Smith was ignored by referee Andre Mariner, Ryan Fraser found Benicophobia in the centre circle. Our number nine then showed another side to his game when he played a diagonal pass which looked to give King a clear run on goal. The Norwegian instead chose to slow down and, after assessing his options, unleashed a shot from outside the area which took a slight deflection off David Luiz before beating a perplexed looking Couture. We were back in the game and after the break it became obvious that the next goal would be crucial to its outcome. Chelsea had the better of the start of the second half with only profligacy on behalf of Diego Costa keeping the Cherries in touching distance. However, on 68 minutes an outstanding free kick by Marcus Alonso decided the match. With the away side again bombing forward, Steve Cook launched a shin-high challenge on Costa 20 yards from Arta Boris's goal at the Ted McDougall end. Cook had had another outstanding afternoon, but it was a poor decision given the quality Chelsea have at their disposal. Up stepped Alonso to strike the ball over a wall that appeared to have been concreted to the turf and passed a helpless Boritz. Eddie then sent on Jordan Ibe, Lise Mousset and Max Gradle in turn as we pushed forward in an attempt to find a way back into the contest. It was possibly our best period of the game, but discipline and determined defending by Chelsea kept us from seriously testing Coutoir again. With gaps opening up at the back, Boris was afforded no such luxury when Victor Moses latched onto Pedro's pass and left Wilshire for dead. It looked certain that the Nigerian would extend Chelsea's lead, but Boris stood tall and saved slightly fortuitously with his face. That was largely it, and Premier League fans across the globe would have nodded knowingly upon seeing the scoreline. For those of us who saw the game, however, it was clear that our heroes in red and black have come a long way in a relatively short period of time. We no longer appear overawed by the huge clubs and superstar players we meet on a regular basis and appear far more assured of our right to compete with them on the pitch. With high-flying spurs up next, this is a trend that we'll be seeking to continue. So that's Michael Dunn there with the match summary. And remember, you can follow him on Twitter at all departments. Now, if it sounds a little bit different here, some different sort of atmospherics, a little bit of echo, it's because I've arrived at my pre-Little Down Centre destination, namely the Phillips family. Um, Now, you may have heard young Ben on the podcast before, but we've got, well, nearly all the family because Steve's not here. But do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kerry. Hi, I'm Ben, you probably heard me. Hi, I'm Lois. And they are all main standers, and uh, it, they, they were at the game, of course, on Saturday against Chelsea. And um, Kerry, if I come to you first, I mean, obviously Chelsea, top of the league, in ridiculously good form, barring a bit of a freak result against Crystal Palace at home. Um, Bournemouth in... All right, form. What were you expecting from this game? I mean, did you think we could get anything out of it? Well, um, always kind of hoped that we'd get something out of it. Hope maybe for a point. Um, but Chelsea are obviously massive, massive players in Europe, um, not just in the Premiership, Premier League. Um, so yeah, hoping at least we could get a point out of out of the game. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I was hoping the same. I mean, obviously, we got a point uh, from Liverpool. Now, Ben, you're you're an avid Bournemouth fan. You've walked the team out many a time. You've played on the pitch. When you see players like Hazard and David Luiz and Costa playing, what were your, what were your thoughts when you saw the Chelsea team lineup? Were you thinking, right, we got no chance today? Well, 
almost like my mum said, uh, I hoped for a good result, but Chelsea are probably the best side in England, or at least in the top three. Yeah. So I think we would be lucky to beat them again sometime soon. Yeah, well, you know what, Chelsea, uh, there's only a couple of sides actually that Bournemouth haven't got uh, three points against. So it's Arsenal, I think, is one of them. Is it Man City, the other one? So, Lois, if I can come to you, I mean, what were you feeling? Did you, you know? Did you think that we could get a win out of it? You're based on the fact that we drew at Liverpool, which is a, a blooming good result, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was hoping we would win, but Chelsea are obviously top of the league and I didn't really have that high hopes, but hmm. I was like... Yes, when Ryan Fraser nearly scored. Yeah, so so that was sort of quite early on in the match, wasn't it? And he was quite deep, and then he put in a right-footed cross, and then, I mean, David Luiz, what do you think he was trying to do? I mean, obviously he was trying to clear it, but... He was trying to clear it, but um, I don't know. What did it do? It came off the back of his heel or something yeah. like that. And um, the keeper, all credit to him, he was totally ready. Yeah. Um, but that's so easily could have been an own goal yeah oh it could have been and it was um it was so unfortunate because I thought you know Chelsea were dominating possession weren't they Ben but Bournemouth sort of they didn't exactly look overawed did they I thought I thought they looked good in possession well they, they do have some quality players but I think maybe they just didn't have like the per the most perfect game in the world and well, they probably were still the better side, but just by a little bit. Yeah. So how typical was it, the way that Chelsea took the lead? I don't know why, but it seems for Bournemouth, when we play the big guns, it's not, you know, there's always something lucky that happens. And it was that Diego Costa shot that was... He, he mishit it completely with the outside of his left boot. And Lois, it was going wide, wasn't it? Or, or was it until it touched Adam Smith? Because Adam Smith got you know, something on it and then it and then it went in. So, I mean, what were your feelings at, at 1-0? Did you think the floodgates were going to open? Yeah, pretty much. I was just like, oh no, it's another loss. But, um, but Adam Smith, I think if he didn't stick his leg up like that, it would have just gone wide. But... I think Boric could have tried a little bit better to save mm. it. She kind of just stood there, to mm. be honest. And now, Ben, you're a you're a fan of Hazard, aren't you? Because you you know you're an avid match of the day watcher, and you've you know you've seen the way he plays. And I mean that goal that he scored after 20 minutes, you just had to, I mean you just had to applaud that, surely. Yeah. Well. I think usually when keepers come out to close down the angles and they have a lot of space out wide, it's probably easy for a world-class player like Hazard to to just go around the outside and then tap it into an empty net. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So are you saying that you know you can't really blame any of the Bournemouth players for that because it was lost in midfield, wasn't it? Was it Arta that maybe lost the ball in midfield? I can't remember, but but once. Hazard had the ball. I mean, he's just got this kind of low centre of gravity and he just shimmied his body as if he was going to open it up and put it into the far corner. But then he just feigned and then he laid it into an empty net. So 2-0, Kerry. We, I mean, were you thinking game over? Well, do you know what? It's one of those that, um, you know, watched Bournemouth before 
and being in that situation where they're losing and you're absolutely gutted but I didn't feel like that on Saturday at all at any point because I was really proud of how the boys were playing I was really pleased with what I was seeing um you know we almost got um that goal albeit it was almost an own goal at the beginning that could have gone our way very easily um there there were a few really exciting moments so I wasn't I wasn't that disappointed that we were 2-0 down at all I thought you know maybe I don't know like you say Bournemouth always pull something out of the bag yeah. so yeah yeah I mean so that was um, Hazard's uh, 14th uh, Premier League goal this season now I can I can just hear in the background that someone's coming in whether he knows we're recording this or not I don't know it's, uh, it's Mr. Steve Phillips he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna join us in a bit as a as a fellow main stander as well um, but we did come close with that Benicophobe chance didn't we when uh, it was Charlie Daniels down the left who um, put the ball in and then a phobe at, at full stretch with his with his uh, right boot uh, nearly scored and it uh, and it and it nearly came in off the post. It actually came off the back of the keeper, didn't it? Oh, I'm not sure about that. It was so so quick, but watching it back um, briefly on match of the day, it was <laughs> if it had gone quarter of an inch to the left I think it would have been a goal and it would have been an absolute cracker of a goal but again oh just unlucky unlucky but again really exciting and how amazing would that have been for Benick at that point um yeah you know so as I say Steve's here and Steve uh, you may know him from Twitter Steve what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle uh, at Stephen G Phillips <laughs> a good man, and uh, when uh, when Josh King pulled one back, I mean, it, it seemingly it it was a bit strange because he kind of got the ball and he didn't look as though he was sort of running very fast. He was just taking his time, and then all of a sudden, this shot came out of nowhere. I mean, albeit it did get a touch, but um, at two one, are you thinking right? We got a chance here? Uh, not really, <laughs> if, I'm br- <laughs> if I'm brutally honest, but. Um... It was good to go in at half-time, uh, 2-1. Uh, good goal by Josh. I didn't think it took a deflection real-time, but actually looking at back, looking back, it did take a bit of a deflection, which, uh, as I say, I didn't see. But uh, good for him, and he's um, he's in red-hot form. So uh, we'll see where he can go from there. It was certainly more of a... I mean, it was certainly more of a contest, though, wasn't it? it I mean, it wasn't yeah. exactly... Uh, you know, previous matches that we've had against Chelsea, like that clash on Boxing Day where they won the, what, 3-0 and we didn't we didn't really get a look in. I mean, even at the start of the second half, we, although we didn't sort of do much with the possession, we still looked, you know, fairly decent and relatively threatening. Yeah, I thought, I thought we held our own. Um, part of me thought that Chelsea didn't really get out of second gear, as they say, but, um, but you know, we, we, gave them a, we gave them a good game. Um, I, don't, I think it was completely different to Boxing Day. I think it was a case of men and boys then, really. But, um, yeah, so I, th- I think we did okay, and I think everybody came out of it, certainly looking at the, uh, the reaction on social media, that, um, you know, we, we, we did okay, and it was no, sort of no disgrace, as they say. Mm, yeah, that's right. So Chelsea got their um, their free kick, and at the time when I saw it on TV, um, I was thinking, right, this is you know this is going to be uh, curtains. Although I didn't, you know, it was interesting seeing the Bournemouth wall 
because none of them jumped, you know, did they, Kerry? I mean, I did, I, whether that's something that, you know, Eddie Howe's told them not to do just in case the free kick t- uh, taker will, you know, play it low and hard, I don't know. But um, when that free kick was awarded, were you thinking, right, someone's going to step up here and score this? I don't know. It, again, it all happened so quick. Um, but you're right, none of the wall jumped up and Otto Boric just didn't move, didn't move a <laughs> fraction. And it was almost like it was a joke. Um, <laughs> you're almost waiting for someone to come running across the pitch going, no, 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 that's a joke, you know, redo it again. Because nobody moved. So bizarre. But, you know, it definitely was a free kick and um, really well taken. Uh, yeah, great free kick. So 3-1, I mean, uh, the game pretty much fizzled out. There were a couple of sort of chances sort of here and there. So were you going home crying your eyes out, Ben, or were you thinking, right, you know, that's it's Chelsea, it was going to happen, let's just move on to the next one? Well, I never really cry after games, <laughs> only if it's been like an absolute whopping from a team like... Lincoln or something. <laughs> um, but it was no disgrace, really, because Bournemouth were all right. But I think after Marcus Alonso's free kick, which was excellent, it sort of killed the game off, really. And I think Chelsea had sort of won it from there. It's quite interesting, Eddie Howe. I think he sort of maybe learned from his substitutions, well, his mistakes that he's made, uh, in previous seasons because quite often he's taken off um, attackers and then put on defenders or something. I remember one game where an attacker came off, was it Fraser, and then he put on Brad Smith and uh, we fell to pot. I, can't, I think that may have been the Arsenal game where, where we um, obviously completely capitulated. So we had Gradle coming on for Fraser, Mousset for Afobe, Jordan Ibe for Mark Pugh. Um, Lois, It'd be nice, but what are your thoughts on uh, on Jordan Ibe? And, uh, you know, do you think we are going to eventually see some value for money for this uh, 15 million that we paid for him? Um, well, he hasn't played a lot, but from what he's played, I think he's a bit... I'm not sure. He's just... I don't... I'm, I'm not too keen on how he plays. He's a bit clumsy and kind of gives it away. But if he improves that and maybe if he has more experience playing he will get better and kind of slot more into the Bournemouth team yeah no that's very interesting I mean at the moment Mark Pugh seems to be sort of working with with Charlie Daniels you know so so well so uh Steve I want to come to you for a minute so if we have um a full complement of midfielders what would I mean firstly what formation would you want to play and also which midfielders would you be picking now I'm talking the whole midfield left to right um, okay, put me on the spot there a little bit. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. <laughs> but I would say um, I would be most happy with, based on current form, well, no, not based on current form. If everyone was available, I'd probably still put Pewey in because, as you say, he works uh, very well with Charlie and yeah. that's a, a sort of long-standing relationship they've got there on the pitch. Um, I would personally play uh, Andrew Sermon, Uh, yes unsurprisingly a big fan of his um very underrated gets gets a lot of stick which i think is is mostly undeserved um i would play jack and harry uh, and i would probably play ryan fraser on the right hand side 
Uh, I would probably play Jack a bit further up behind King. So kind of a five-man midfield. It's kind of how I would go, I think, thinking about it after you put me on the spot. And I wasn't <laughs> expecting that question. <laughs> I must apologise about that. So it'll be interesting uh, later on, because so we'll be speaking uh, on the podcast to Alex Deutsch and a few others after our anti-football match at the Little Down Centre. Now, it's interesting what um, Eddie Howe said after the game. He said, I thought it was a tight game and we were well in it. It doesn't help going 2-0 down and it did take a worldy free kick to win the game. He said he has to compliment Chelsea because they're an outstanding team and their system works very well for them. Uh, but uh, he just wanted to compliment his boys as well because they played very well. In the end, Chelsea were too strong. Well, we certainly think they were. Now, we're going to be speaking to the lads, as I said, a bit later on. Um, I'm going to put you four on the spot now. Um, we got 35 points uh, with a number of games to go. What is it? Six games to go. Good win for Crystal Palace yesterday when they beat Chel- uh, when they beat Arsenal. They held on to their 3-0 win. Um, what Will we be safe? In a word, Kerry, will Bournemouth be safe this season? Absolutely. You did it in a word. I thought you were going to say two then. Uh, ben? Um, well, I think... Ben's one word. <laughs> Maths isn't his strong point. No, it's okay. I didn't know it was one Go word. on then, Ben. If, you know, in a short sentence, what are you thinking? Are we going to be safe? Yes. Okay, <laughs> nice one. He's gone the other way around now. Uh, Lois? Yes. Yes, we'll be safe. And Steve, I, I, think, I, I think I know your answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> he said yes. So all things are looking very optimistic here indeed. So, of course, um, our next match is, uh, is going to be against Spurs, and that's a, a lunchtime kickoff. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts. Really appreciate that. Well, it's nearing football time, I suppose, so I'd better get down to the Little Down Centre where, we, where we'll be continuing the Chelsea chat. Plus, we'll look forward to the Spurs match with Alex Deutsch and co after our anti-football game. So, in the meantime, whilst I go off to the Little Down Centre, score a hat-trick, probably in my own net, given how unfit and lackadaisical I am, um, we wanted to bring you a piece on Bournemouth fan Jacob Bucket, and his family are raising much-needed funds to secure a positive future for their four-year-old Cherry's Mad Son. Now, as you may have heard on the podcast recently, we followed Ethan's wishes to the Hamworthy Club, where a match between AFC Bournemouth fans and more buses raised some great money for Ethan, but also for little Jacob Bucket, who is four years old. Jacob is cherries mad and has cerebral palsy, and he's in desperate need of an operation which will improve his ability to walk. He finds it hard to put his feet flat on the ground due to his condition, and as a result, his hip bones are starting to come out of the socket. Now, the football mad youngster is currently in a lot of pain, but according to mum Amanda, he still always finds a way to smile. So we spoke to Amanda, where we found out that the operation that Jacob needs is not available on the NHS. Yes, last year um, the NHS stopped funding the the operation. Jacob had been on the waiting list for roughly about a year before um, we were told there was no longer any funding. Um, Jacob was referred by his paediatrician in Paul to have the operation. And when we went up to Bristol for for the um, appointment, they did an assessment, told us that he was a perfect candidate for the operation. 
and at the end of that appointment they had then said to us that we would have to self fundraise for the operation and we we asked what would happen if we didn't self fundraise because we didn't really want to kind of go public and try and raise all this money for him to have an operation but after um talking to um various members of our family we decided that it was in his best interest to go ahead after speaking to the um the surgeon we had asked what would happen if we didn't go ahead with the operation that's when he would told us that Jacob would um he would end up in a wheelchair because as he grows his cerebral palsy would get worse the muscles would um start shortening contracting and at the moment his hips starting to come out of the so socket which is hip discolation he, they would get he would therefore get fixed muscles and permanent muscle tightening shortening so this is why we were kind of really wanting to um, fundraise for the operation to give him the best quality of life i mean J J jacob's learning and understanding isn't affected by seropaldi so he gets quite upset that he can't do normal things like children his own age he he just wants to be able to walk, and he quite often you'll find him try and take two, three steps on his own. But because he tiptoes due to the stiffness of his muscles, he just falls to the ground. But it doesn't stop him. He just smiles and gets up and tries again. We don't ever tell him that he can't walk, he can't do it. But sadly, he won't be able to do it without the operation. The operation is an operation that will reduce cerebral palsy spasticity by 75%. It will then make his legs become less stiff. He'll be able to put his feet flat to the ground. And with intensive physiotherapy, he'll be able to, kind of, he'll be able to walk. And it also it helps with many other things like his pain and various other things. Mm. So up until recently, I gather that he's been playing football for his Ability Counts team, but I, I bet he must be missing that quite a bit. Um, yes, he hasn't been able to kind of go to um, frame football um, with Ability Accounts due, due to because um, he does get a lot more pain. He he struggles because he sees the other children, you know, he sees other children running about and he just wants to keep up with them. But it doesn't it doesn't stop him joining in. He can be quite shy and and sometimes has moments where he takes a while to kind of join in and play with people at ability counts. But everyone's lovely and they've been great and Jacob absolutely adores everybody that at ability counts. And they they very much welcome Jacob. And um, he quite happily um, was quite proud to show his um, new frame. He's got a he's got a fr new red frame, which is specifically for him to play football. And he absolutely loves his frame, and couldn't wait to show everybody there. And from what I can tell, it seems that there is a time scale for this operation. Uh, ideally, it needs to happen by the time he's five years old. Why is this? Um, the reason why we are on a time schedule for the operation is because of between the ages of two and five, it's the best time to do the surgery because of the deformities that can develop in their leg as they get older. 
um, at the moment, Jacob hasn't got a muscle um, contractions or anything like that at the moment because he's still a bit young. But also because of his hips coming out of socket, we're on a bit of time scale then because he will need an operation to put that back into socket and that would then therefore sort of cause issue, issues with him having the surgery. So we're trying to kind of get the fundraising underway and fundraise as much as we can before he gets too bad and that it affects him not being able to have the operation. Um, but yeah, so he's not five till October. So we're hoping that, you know, with the with the help of the public that that we will be able to kind of meet meet target. For Jacob so desperately wants to kind of have the operation and he often asks he often asks the doctors when when are they gonna fix my legs? And every time he goes into hospital for different appointments and he recently had Botox in in February, he believed that the doctor had given him this magic magic medicine to make his legs better, in which he tried to kind of get off the bed and he he truly believed that he could walk, that he was fixed. And obviously the doctor had to explain to him that it was to help his pain to to relax his muscles a bit, that it wasn't that he hadn't had an operation to um make his legs better so he can walk. Oh, well, Amelza, thank you so much for speaking to us and let Jacob know that we can't wait to see him back at Dean Court again soon. I know he goes to Dean Court whenever he has the chance. And in fact, he was in the changing room, actually, with the players before our biggest ever win this season at home against Hull, that incredible 6-1 game. So whatever he said to the players obviously worked. Now, to keep up to date with everything that's going on with Jacob Bucket, we've created a short little link that will take you straight to the Facebook page. So if you go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash Jacob, that's J-A-C-O-B, that will then take you straight to the Facebook page where you can find out more about future events, which are all there to help raise money for Jacob, but also the all-important Just Giving link too. But... If you want to donate straight away, and we really hope you can, even if it's just a few quid, please, please do it. Go to afcbpodcast.com slash jacobdonate. That will take you through to the Just Giving page, and there, within a few clicks, you can then pledge some money to this great cause. And if you if you haven't got any money, um, just then share it on Facebook instead, because even sharing it will get so much attention and just spread spread the word out there so please do that it's afcbpodcast.com slash jacob donate but to find out more about the facebook page that's afcbpodcast.com forward slash jacob thank you very much So there we go. If you want to uh, donate uh, to Jacob's Fund, check out our Twitter stream. Uh, now, I may sound slightly out of breath, and uh, that's because football has just finished, and uh, I'm sat here with Alex Deutsch, who, uh, who organises the anti-football, and I tell you what, some cracking goals tonight, Alex. I there was, yeah. I, uh, well, 
yeah, hopefully there'll be some video footage of a uh, rather wonderful strike. Yeah, so uh, do remember to uh, follow him on Twitter if we do, if we do see that. Um, we'll be sure to uh, retweet it. But um, yeah, so we spoke earlier on the podcast to um, Stephen Kerry about the game. Um, what were your sort of overriding thoughts after the Chelsea game? I mean, did you go home sort of disappointed or were you, were you that fussed really? I'm, I never leave a football game disappointed when I'm, my team's beaten by a, just a completely better more elite team and that's what happened on Saturday they they were just better in every single way yeah. um, it, I, I think the, the effort was there it's, and some of our football was brilliant I tweeted throughout the game that I thought actually we played pretty well and we gave a good account of ourselves so it was, you know, we certainly didn't disgrace ourselves in any way um, mm. but ultimately their, their, their quality was just there, yeah. to, there to see wasn't it I think when following you on Twitter you're probably one of the more uh, fairer tweeters you seldom sort of lose your rag like some people you don't really do the uh, whole sort of knee-jerk reaction so uh I have done. <laughs> you have done before but um a few people recently been talking well have been mentioning the r word uh relegation do you think it's going to happen i mean based on the number of points we got the games we've got i mean yeah next it's spurs which we'll talk about in a minute but the, you know there is a run of four games that we should be picking up points from surely yeah i mean i said after the west brom game that was when i thought we are in a little bit of trouble um, but now I, I would be a lot more concerned if our football wasn't as good but like I said we just got beaten by a better team on Saturday mm. um, I think we've got enough to um, what, how many more points do we need six five, yeah, six, five. Yeah, five I, think, six. I think there's a couple more wins and we'll be fine I can't see Swansea doing it but this will be played over and over and over again <laughs> yeah, if yeah. I'm wrong so yeah. I, can't, I can't see it that's right Sean will be, Sean will be definitely uh, recording that bit so I mean in terms uh, in terms of um Three players that I wanted to talk about in particular. We will go on to that match on, on Saturday because it's live on Sky. But um, Josh King, Jack Wilshire, and Arta Boric, will they be here next season? Obviously for different reasons. But starting off with Josh King because he has been sort of banging them in. And he, I mean, that goal he scored on, on Saturday, I know it, it, it did get a deflection, but he was so nonchalant about it, wasn't it? Yeah, and he had the confidence just to hit it. And mm. when he, that was the thing with him when he, when he first joined is that you could you could almost see him outthinking himself, and that's that's when it didn't happen for him. Um, and and now when he his instincts as a footballer to hit that like he did, it was it was brilliant. I'm I'd like to think yes, we're going to see um, Josh King at least the start of next season. I think I, I just have my, that's my gut feeling. I think mm. that he's he's still got some some work to do down here. Mm. Um, Jack Wilshire. It's all money, isn't it? Mm. I think he's 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 come down here and he's completely given him given everything he has to the club. I like the way that he's he's given everything on the pitch. He yeah. dresses his kids in the Bournemouth. He, he really yeah, has yeah, he been Mr. Bournemouth. Which, if he doesn't decide to stay on, I wish him all the best, and he'll always always be welcome. Um, and Arthur Boric, he got pelters at the start of the season, mm. but we would not be where we are mm. without him now. He's got another season at least, surely. Well. Again, uh, this is gonna. I think that the signs over January was that Begovic is is, is pretty much mm. on his way, isn't he? So mm. well, that's what I'm hoping. Mm. So will Boric want to play second fiddle? I don't know. Do you think that maybe unsettled Boric because um, obviously he had his clang as like the West Brom sort of punch into his own net effectively? Do you think that kind of maybe affected his mind a little bit? Possibly, possibly, because it wasn't until after the January transfer window that he actually started playing it. You know, started uh, performing, but. On the other side of it, maybe the threat of some competition 
maybe brought him out as A game. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. So I mean, someone today read on uh, said on Twitter. I thought was quite an interesting one about Andrew Sermon. Um, basically, whether he stays or not will depend on Jack Wilshere. I mean, surely, uh, you know, regardless, he'll be staying because he he's one of Eddie's favourites, isn't he? They're different players as well. Yeah. Um, Jack, uh, which game is it? Uh, so, uh, Liverpool. He mm. played much deeper. He played the Andrew yeah. Sermon role, um, and he's he is a mu- he's more attacking than that. And he, that's when he's at his best when he's when he's a lot more attacking. So they're different players. I can't I can't see how one staying means the other leaving, and I can't see Sermon leaving at the moment. But mm. who knows? So I like on, him to stay. I yeah. Like to stay. So um, on to uh, on to Saturday then. It's uh, live on Sky Sports and. Uh, you know, Spurs obviously title chasing. I thought for a minute they were going to slip up a Swansea, but then they scored three goals in five minutes. And did you? Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Um, what are you expecting from the game? And if, if you got any sort of, um, you know, are you thinking AC Bournemouth could get anything from it? As long as we don't go one 0 down after the first thirty seconds, it's an improvement, isn't it? Mm. Um, they they do look good, mm. um, and as as much as I love the football we play. It leaves us very vulnerable to um, players that individually are are better than ours. Hmm. Um, so if we don't click a hundred percent, we're we probably in a bit of trouble. But when hmm. we do click, we can well like, like we played against them uh, earlier in the season, got nil nil. We can get something. Hmm. But our football means that we have to match them everywhere. And uh, if one player doesn't, then then we're in trouble. I think. Yeah. So I mean, four four two. That seems to be the formation that Eddie's uh, you know sticking with. So I mean, assuming. He does that again. Who's your um, who's your chosen midfield four? So if everyone's fit, who's your chosen midfield four? Ooh. That's on the spot question, isn't it, Alex? It's a bit harsh of me, but Fraser uh, Pugh, because of how much he works defensively and how good he is with yeah. Daniels. Oh, this is difficult. It's really um, you know, especially if you know Gozo's back as well. Exactly. It I makes like, it so complicated. Gosling, then Gosling ain't engine. I mean, technically he's not our best midfielder, mm. but in terms of just effort and yeah. how much he gives, I think he is, and he can add something. And he can run at tide. I'm going to go Arter and Wilshire. Arter and Wilshire. I think uh, Tom Jordan on Twitter just uh, explained. It was a good. It was a good sort of phrase for uh, Gosling as he went through the squads. He called. He called Gosling the disruptor, which he, he certainly does because he stops the flow of play. So, OK, I'm going to ask for a prediction now, Alex. It's, uh, it's quite a tough one, but come sort of half past 2, 2.45 on Saturday, what is the final scoreline going to be? Head and heart with this one. 2-1 <laughs> Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. Is that your head speaking or your heart? Or, or, or maybe both? Oh, my heart's saying 3-0 Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. um, my heart's saying 3-0 Bournemouth. Wilshire scores a, the, the, the hat-trick. Yeah. Takes off his shirt and he's got an AFC Bournemouth shirt underneath and he yeah. signs there on the spot. Yeah. But um now my head says we're gonna lose two one. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's uh yeah, it, you know, it's not gonna be an easy game. Two nil to Spurs, but we have got those four winnable games coming up after that. So Alex, uh really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Not at all, thanks for having me. And uh yeah, we do this uh anti-football so check out our Twitter feed uh, there are a pool of players but if you are interested uh, give Alex a tweet we'll, um, we'll retweet one of his tweets for you so you've got his, uh, his address and um, yeah it'd certainly be uh, good to see you down here cheering us on yeah it's for, for players who uh, like to play but are a little bit rubbish how, um, how long did it take you to get over it last week because I was limping for days <laughs> I'm still limping <laughs> yeah <laughs> not a good one cheers Alex thank you
So there we go, another day, another dollar, another podcast in the can, another sleepless night after the football as my heart rate doesn't come down quick enough and I'm coughing and spluttering. Where's my pink inhaler, goddammit? Anyway, do you remember this clip from earlier on? Cleared by uh, the Cherries up towards the far side, where Adam Smith has it again. Is a a luminous yellow boot, so already flashing down that left side. He finds Fraser in the area. It cannons off Fraser over the goalkeeper! Goodness me, you could not make it up! It's a totally fortuitous equaliser that will go down to Ryan Fraser, but the Cherries could not possibly have designed it. The defender's clearance cannoned off Fraser's shin and looped over the helpless Marek Steck, and the Cherries have an unfashionable but certainly deserved equaliser. It's 1-1. Yeah, that's right. It formed part of Do You Remember? And we asked you to name the opposition, the stadium name, and also the final score. Well, um, little did I know, it was actually Ben from Earth earlier's first away game so he told me the answer to this one he had a bit of a sneaky preview so the answer was Yeovil and it's Hewish Park and the final score was one all yeah it was that freaky deaky Ryan Fraser goal where it came off his back and then nestled over the keeper brilliant stuff so we just want to say thank you very much for listening. Now, in terms of donating to Jacob, please make sure you do it, even if it's just a couple of quid. afcbpodcast.com slash Jacob Donate. And if you just want to go to their Facebook page, find out more information, it is afcbpodcast.com slash Jacob, we really appreciate it, and it'd be good if you could just retweet our podcast and spread the word on Facebook or use any social media you can in order to uh, basically get the word out some more. We would really appreciate it. And uh, next week, we're going to be giving you news on our new Instagram account as well. Yeah, should be interesting. But anyway, Sean's hopefully going to be back next week on the show. But in the meantime, have a good one. Safe travels up to White Hart Lane. And you never know, it could be one of those eclectic, amazing, brilliant games that we'll remember forever. Hopefully for good reasons. Where the cherries emerge victorious with a scrappy but well-deserved 1-0 win. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. I've been Sam Davis, and this has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Steve Cook with the throw. Swept goalish by Daniels. And back in by Arter. And it's finished by Josh King. Bournemouth bring problems for Liverpool again. They strike Lakin again. And Bournemouth are level at Anfield. Podcast Network.